0: Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You're listening to a TVO podcast. Hi, I'm Colin Ellis, and this is On Docs, a podcast about documentaries and the stories they tell. Today, we're talking about propaganda.
0: Propaganda is
2: political brainwashing.
0: It's a calculated attack on the complexity of other people's minds. It's the invisible hand. It's getting you to submit without realizing consciously that you're submitting.
1: What if the media is the enemy of the people? That's a clip from the TVO original documentary, Propaganda, The Art of Selling Lies. This past summer, we partnered up with Hot Docs for a screening of the film and Q&A with director Larry Weinstein and journalist Craig Silverman. Silverman is BuzzFeed News' media editor, but he's probably best known for coining the term fake news. And, and then... What's his name? bastardized that. And Who? I'm, Sorry, <laughs> I've said his name to me. His name? Um, <laughs> you
2: are fake
0: news, sir.
1: Weinstein spoke with artists, philosophers, and provocateurs to find out how propagandists use media like art, architecture, and yes, even the news to sway public opinion. His film traces the evolution of propaganda from cave paintings in Spain to sophisticated data-driven attacks over social media. Weinstein takes a big-picture look at how we should be defining what exactly propaganda is.
2: I was sort of struggling in my head of, of what, what is the antithesis to propaganda? And I started thinking, what about Monet's water lilies? That, that's probably the antithesis. And I thought, well, if you go to France, if you go to his home and you go and see the real water lilies, they're these kind of ugly insects and slime and moss and mold. And it's, his is propaganda. It's propaganda for
1: water lilies. So I, that's, that's what made a mess of me. So what is propaganda? Can it ever be a good thing? Is it influencing you right now? Hell, is this podcast intro propaganda? Let's find out. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. How about another round of applause for Larry Weinstein? Uh, My name is Colin Ellis. I'm the host of the On Docs podcast for TVO. And uh, we're just going to do a quick... 20-minute conversation and open up to some audience questions. So I guess my first question for you, Larry, is why a film about propaganda? Um,
2: well, I, I, um, I think I'm like a lot of people here and around, uh, people who are <laughs> looking at news every day. And I have this terrible habit of, of, of the first thing I look at when I wake up in the morning is, is for some reason Donald Trump's Twitter and and it gets and his tweets get me so angry and and uh, so riled and that's like that that gives me energy and and I remember I would go to the office and I'm working with a couple of writers on this film and and they loved it when I was in a bad mood because it that's when I could write and some of the writing and the narration is is uh, is sort of like a manifesto and and it's just this it's this anger that I think all of us share and frustration. And, and, and even to the point of, you know, propaganda, the art of selling lies. Well, not all propaganda is
1: lies, but when you're in
2: a bad mood, it is. So that, that's what that's all about.
1: I think, you heard, <laughs> I think I heard you refer to him as your, Donald Trump is your muse. Yeah, Donald Trump is my muse. <laughs> he continues to be. Craig, uh, what interested you in taking part in this film?
0: Well, I mean, one part that interested me about it is trying to connect the history of persuasion, of propaganda, of manipulation to what we're living through right now, which is really what my daily job is, is kind of looking at particularly the garbage on the internet and how we're being manipulated there, how people are exploiting these platforms that we're all on. Um, and so for me to participate and hopefully be able to see a finished product where there are those those threads that are connected and maybe there's something that I can put into it, that's, that's interesting to me. And I do think one of the things, and this was, so I decided to see the film for the first time tonight. Uh, and one of the things that, that did strike me about it is I, th- I think it did a good job of connecting some of the, just the human truths that exist in all of this, which is how our emotions drive us, how our innate human behaviors drive us, and how people who understand propaganda, those are the things they seize upon. And that has never changed. But the means of doing that today have definitely changed. Um, and and so there's there's truths that are there, and there's kind of human truths. I think we keep relearning and reminding ourselves, oh, yes, we have a tendency for this or that. And we're sort of living through another, I think, very important period of that right now.
1: Did your views of propaganda, what it is, actually change after watching this film?
0: Um, I think my perception going in was, um, you know, there were certainly the historical parts of the film, which you sort of expect, you know, World War II, World War I, conflicts... Um, But the piece with the artists, I think, was really interesting and different for me. It's not what I typically engage with myself on a regular basis. And hearing people who are really thinking about disassembling the messages that are all around us and kind of creating their own and punching through with their own, whether it's street art or other things, I think that's a really interesting uh, perspective to have in there. So that was a piece that I I certainly appreciated and, and appreciated hearing from them
1: as well. Larry, I want to pick up something that uh, Director Astro Taylor mentions in the film about propaganda being something that others consume. And you know, thinking of other times like World War II or other countries like North Korea, why is it that we think of propaganda as something that's foreign to us?
2: Uh, well, you know, it does have the negative connotation. And as as one of the historians talks about, since uh, World War One uh, in the West, we we think of the word propaganda. In fact, uh, you know. Uh, Edward Bernays, uh, the the nephew of Freud, wrote a book in 1928 called Propaganda. uh, And he knew then that it already had this negative connotation post-World War I. But he came to North America and he started this whole big business that no one had had before called Public Relations. He changed it from Propaganda to Public Relations because he knew that would have a more positive spin. So um, yeah, I mean you know, propaganda. It's 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 a negative. So,
1: but it's it's some some people say it's a, a positive. And I'm wondering if, Craig, do you think it can be a force for good propaganda? I mean,
0: one of the things that I think came through in the film is is that it's not necessarily always a negative. That in order to convince a population of something to get behind something, you typically have propaganda behind it. And whatever that thing is, whether it's in the moment or with a historical perspective, you can be seen as good or bad. You have to mobilize people behind ideas. You have to get them to believe and belong to something to appeal to that innate kind of in-group behavior. That's, that's an important thing. And I think the reason why we always think it's other people who are susceptible is is that we consider ourselves to be very rational beings, and we're, we're not. We really, I mean, if you, and I, I think at the end of the film, one of the people talks about you have to have this kind of struggle and will to actually force yourself to be rational. It's a constant behavior that you need to engage in, uh, and, but most of us think that it's actually an innate human tendency, and so we think, well, I'm not going to be persuaded, and I'm not susceptible to propaganda because I'm a person engaged in the world, but I mean, the perfect example of this is when people have done studies about asking people, you know, do you think you have fallen for, you know, quote-unquote fake news? Let's, let's define it as false things right now because it's a complicated term. Most people um, will say that they're very good at spotting it. They think they're not so susceptible. And then when you actually test people on actual fake headlines, they do much worse than they think they do. And I think that is one of the defining things about how we perceive the way we engage with information and the way we engage with things like propaganda and other kinds of messages around us.
1: Larry, uh, you spoke to some pretty famous political artists, uh, Jim Fitzpatrick, Ai Weiwei. Um, What was the process for choosing people to interview for this film? Um, The whole thing, I mean, you could... could reach out to hundreds of
2: thousands of different people and, and, uh, for, for the subject of propaganda. And, and one of the prisms was, uh, the art of propaganda, the propaganda of art, what you had mentioned. I, I, um, I wanted to go for artists that, that had done things that were iconic. Um, I, I just, we started free associating. We, we, so you look up, you know, poster, iconic propaganda poster, and, and certain images come up. But right away, I, I saw, of course, the Che Guevara poster. And then I, I didn't know. I mean, Jim Fitzpatrick isn't actually that famous, but the poster, the icon he created, is arguably the most famous icon, uh, I would say, of the 20th century. There, you know, there are images of Mao that are famous and of Hitler, but usually there's lots of them. Even, even going back, even Christ, there isn't one single Image, yeah, he's on the crucifix, but not, there isn't one image. The, the uh, Che Guevara is really iconic. So I, on Wikipedia, I saw Jim Fitzpatrick, Irish, still alive, <laughs> from, this is from 1968. So, so we contacted him and, and he said, yeah, sure. Come and, yeah, People don't really know me. Sure, I'd love to be in your film. <laughs> and, and then I found out that he had actually inspired, to a, to a great extent, uh, Shepard Fairy in his Hope poster. And though we don't talk about that, um, we, we wanted to get Shepard Fairy. I, I wanted also, I, I was entranced by the, the bloody head of Trump and, and uh, Tyler Shields working with Kathy Griffin and, and knew that I, I wanted to try to reach out to the photographer he's not usually the one that people reach out to they, they go to Kathy but he's the one who thought ah let's dip it in blood
1: to hide the bad Halloween mask yeah. do you think the, any of these artists reject the label propaganda for their work?
2: Well, certainly a lot of these people embraced it. Uh, uh, Jim Fitzpatrick refers to it as propaganda, and, and Shepard Ferry, as he says in the film, calls it propaganda. And same with Ai Weiwei. He, he knows, he says it's the propaganda of the individual, not of the state, but he, he knows it's propaganda. It's that little, it's like that termite that, you know, hauls out the insurmountable
1: structure. I also wondered, um, Craig, you know, just to what extent the word propaganda could be become diluted. I'm thinking, you know, the mention of The Bachelor comes up in the in the film, and I think a lot of people would just consider that entertainment. I don't think anyone would think they're having a message drawn, um, drilled into their, their heads, but I wonder what you think if if, if, we're, if we're, I guess, diluting the term propaganda.
0: I mean, for me personally, I usually connect it with political or ideological things, uh, but I didn't feel it was completely out of, pra- of place when she talks about that, because, I mean, particularly, I think, in, in our society north american sort of western democracies uh... a lot of the propaganda does come from from corporate entities now it's like governments still do it yes of course but corporate entities you know they're able to purchase uh... your attention they're able to get things in front of you and uh, and so there's that element which I think is a form of propaganda, even though I typically, you know, would in a general way refer to that as advertising or messaging. But I don't think it's out of place, uh, and and I think it's also a good way. Even if you, even if it makes you uncomfortable, that's a great prompt to sit there and think about, think about what are the shows that I'm watching reinforcing, what are the narratives that maybe I'm unconsciously consuming out there. I think it's 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 a good way to maybe shock people a little bit into thinking, you know, do I agree with that or not, or do I not? but do I also get a sense of what is being given to me and what is kind of washing over me on a daily basis we spend so much time on our phones and consuming messaging and we think of ourselves as really discerning consumers in many cases but this stuff, you know, it has an effect on us over time and as much as we don't want to believe it, we are susceptible to things and I think if it shocks you into having a sense of more consciousness that's a good thing
1: Have either of you found yourself susceptible to propaganda at all? Can you think of any examples
2: of that? Uh, Craig definitely is not susceptible, but, and I, I don't use social media uh, other than looking at Donald's uh, tweets. But I don't. I'm not. A, but I'm not a follower. I'm not a fo- I'm not actually a follower. I'm just a voyeur, as all
0: filmmakers are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think. I think. Well, one maybe about the Montreal Canadiens. I suppose I am. Uh, but, uh, but apart from that, I mean, in my, in my daily job, I am trying to constantly live that life of actually, you know, reminding myself, like, why, why do you believe that and where is this coming from? And questioning that, not to the point where I don't believe anything, because I think that's the worst scenario you can end up in, but trying to test myself at all times. Because, yes, I think I am susceptible, just like anyone else. And it's the moment where you sit there and you think, no, it's not going to happen to me. I'm too connected to the world, I'm too rational, I'm too educated, all those things, that's when it's probably happening to you because you're not sitting there having that kind of healthy amount of skepticism and questioning.
2: I, I think that we, in a way, enjoy the propagating, or being propagated against. Having, you know, we, we, we immerse ourselves in propaganda. I, I do watch CNN a lot, um, and I can't watch Fox and I assume one is, is the medium of the, of the sane, and one is, is not. Um, so, and I still assume that. But, it's, but, but, it's, but I realize that I'm being manipulated as well. I know that the constant hate is not necessarily a healthy thing. But as I, now I do it as a special treat. Like if I know that, that, that Trump has done something disgusting, which is, you know, many times a day, I'd like to tune in. <laughs>
1: Craig, how has social media changed the nature of propaganda?
0: Well, I think it's, it's made it much more accessible for the average person to participate in, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Uh, there was some examples in the film about ISIS and some examples about white nationalism, uh, neo-Nazis and things like that. And, and they absolutely have taken to social media as uh, hugely powerful, very easily access- accessible platforms to reach many, many people. And uh, so that has, you know, the great thing about social media is it has a democratizing effect. You know, pretty much anybody can join. Uh, pretty much you can post, you know, almost whatever you want. There are some rules and guidelines, but, you know, these platforms have always said, you know, we're, we're there for free expression. And, and so people who are consciously saying this is our way to reach people, this is our way to get our message across, this is our way to recruit, to proselytize to propagandize, they look at these as extremely powerful weapons. And the rest of us, myself included, were sort of on there like, you know, this is great, where I'm getting news from around the world, I'm getting breaking news, I'm connecting with all kinds of people. And meanwhile, you have other folks who are absolutely viewing this as, this is our opportunity to reach the masses because we were shut out from traditional media. Uh, And so that great advantage of democratization is also what has been weaponized. And that has been, you know, done in combination with, I think, these companies having a very utopian view of, of what they were doing and taking a very lax view of oversight of, you know, what the result might be of allowing, you know, harassment and hate speech and things to flourish to the point where now it's such a part of the platforms that to really get rid of it, they'd have to wipe out huge amounts of users and they don't want to do that because it looks like, you know, censorship and, 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 in, some, and in some cases they're very bad at doing it. So it could be censorship. So it's been um, it's been a boon for propagandists. There's no question about that. It's also been a boon for free speech. It's also been a boon at times to go against authoritarian regimes. So it it can be all of those things at once.
1: Um, the idea that news is a form of propaganda comes up in the film, and I guess Greg Craig is a journalist. I wonder what you think of that idea.
0: I mean, I don't think it's wrong. You know, uh, it's it's true, and I and I think for someone who works in media, you have to. You realize that, and you know what are the incentives that I work under every day? What are the uh, overt and sort of less overt pressures that are around me in whatever company or newsroom or peer group I work under? Uh, and so and we know there are absolutely times uh, in you know free societies with with you know uh, a free press where completely false narratives have spread. Through the supposed legitimate press, uh, and we haven 't done a good job of challenging it and so I think you know the idea obviously that people in media or big media are in cahoots with other powerful people and you know setting the agenda I, that is not happening on a conscious level, but there is that element of the power structures and the way journalism and media can be intertwined with politics, with other institutions in society where yes, it can have that effect, and I, I think we have to be aware of it. It'd be a bad thing for a journalist to say, no, no, no. We you know, everything we do is pure and you know, we're making our best effort every day. We have to, you know, we have to be open to how we can be used and how unconsciously we may be part of certain things as well.
2: It's it's so interesting that Craig is the one who really came up with the phrase fake news and and then what's-his-name bastardized that and I'm (laughs) sorry I've said his name to me yeah so and I'm very curious how if there's a pit in your stomach (laughs) well
0: yeah a bit I mean so as as you heard in the film I started using it when I was doing a research project in 2014 and I was it wasn't a thing I sat down and said I need to come up with a term I was just saying this stuff is fake news Uh, and so worked on that did a research paper in 2015 Throughout 2016, was publishing stories about what I was calling fake news, which was 100%, you know, created to deceive, and in my definition, for an economic motive. So not about ideology, which is where I was sort of putting propaganda in. And, and so right after the election, there were stories of mine that started to get circulated, and the term started to circulate a bit. But this is, this is where Trump is so good, is, you know, for all of his faults... He's an extremely good master of this current media environment.
2: It's interesting that he then took the phrase enemy of the people, also about news and journalism, which he kind of took from Stalin. So he was inspired by Stalin and by you. (laughs) I'm so
0: glad you didn't put that in the film. I would never live that down. (laughs) Credit where credit is due. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, we're going to get some audience questions in here in a minute. But I just want to maybe ask you, uh, Larry, finally, you say this film is a call to action. What do you want people to do?
2: Yeah, call to action. I mean, t- to really think. I mean, th- th- these people that, that, that yeah, it's like when Jean Seaton, the, the Orwell expert, says, you know, you don't know what she's really getting at when she says, you have to have this kind of, you have to have this awkward life. You have to really examine yourself. It, it means you have to just, as you said, figure out. Where you're being duped and where you're not being duped, and of course it, it's in all realms of of social elements and 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 uh, and politics and religion and and everything. What are you fed? What are you fed and what do you accept? And and which you know? And are you starting to follow things that you shouldn't or people that you shouldn't? You know, it's interesting. We talk about social media. Well. Back in the old days, social media was—I mean, under under Goebbels and, and Hitler—social media was in effect going to the theaters. Everybody did. It was illegal not to go to the movie theaters, and they had propaganda constantly. Whether it was negative propaganda, all those horrible films, or whether it was propping—you know—propping you know, propping up what they were, uh, it was illegal not to go to certain May Day parades under certain regimes. You had to, and it was very social. It's a different sense of what social is. But in a way, social media, it's all about you know, being with your friends, being with your peer group, as going to those parades or going to those films was all about. Do we have any questions from the audience?
1: Thanks. I'm just wondering if you could tell me what propaganda is, or if it's easier to answer, tell me what propaganda isn't. So.
2: That's such a Craig answer. A oh, question. you're going to kick that to me? You made a <laughs> film about it. I know. But when you make a film about things, sometimes you're more confused by the time you finish. I, I just wanted to mention that... that when I've made other films, I've made like 35 films, and, and most of them are about music and, and composers. And, and there, I feel like when I'm on the stage, like I know more about, I don't know, Maurice Ravel than probably anyone else in the audience. Here, I feel like propaganda, everybody knows about propaganda. Everybody has their own opinions, and, and at least 85% of the people in the audience know a lot more than me and would have made a better film than me. So that's why I wanted you to answer this question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean uh so I haven't sat and thought about what a definition of it is but I guess to me it's it's kind of the the act of mobilizing ideas uh and you know and and getting and not just mobilizing the idea but getting people to uh, engage with an idea uh and what is not propaganda I mean it's I think it is something that's kind of in the eye of the beholder we see it as a negative term but you know, who isn't engaged in propaganda, that, who is in public life these days, whether it's a, a corporation or a politician or people in journalism or in other things. The, you know, the act of trying to convince and mobilize uh, is, is something that is a daily part.
2: You said uh, pro- propaganda is everywhere. You said propaganda is good. Propaganda can be bad. What's the difference? How do we know when we're being duped? It's interesting that last example that uh, one of the interviewees says about, you know, propaganda can be a warning on a cigarette pack, or it can be triumph of the will. There's a a very concise example when propaganda can be good, or when it can be bad. Um, And yet, you know, smokers say, I don't want this, this fascist thing on my cigarette pack. I mean, it depends on point of view as well. Like... I'm not pregnant, so I don't care. Um, this is just propaganda. It depends. Everything, it's true. Everything Everything can be seen as propaganda. The question is, which propaganda is going to affect your, your, your life or the life of, 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 of humanity in a negative way? Uh, you know, Hitler was the first one to have a, a ministry of propaganda under, with Goebbels. Um, there it was overt. There we can analyze it really carefully. I don't know. I don't know. That's why, Craig, you, that's why you're here.
0: I, I mean, an example that comes to mind for me is, is vaccines. I mean, there is no question that there is a concerted effort by governments, by health institutions, by doctors' organizations, by huge amounts of people and entities to, to con- continue to convince people that vaccines are safe. And for some people, they consider that to be suspect because it is such an overarching effort. But it is, you know, but what's the difference? It's a question of the harm. You know, what is is the harm in that? Well, all of the overwhelming data from decades upon decades upon decades is that it tells us that it is absolutely not only uh, good for the health of people, but one of the greatest health inventions that we've had over the last, what, 100 years or so. And so people who don't believe in vaccines, feel that is negative propaganda. But I think it's fair to describe it as propaganda, but it's propaganda behind something that has absolutely saved countless numbers of lives. Uh, And so, I mean, the answers are probably unsatisfying because depending on the context, it may seem like good or bad, um, but it comes down to the individual to kind of dig through and make decisions and think about the underpinnings from facts and from evidence and from the impact on maybe those around you of whether something is good or bad.
2: It's about intention. Like, in terms of truth, are we seeking the truth? Somebody asked me, do we want to know the truth, or do we want to be lied to? And it's just sort of like, what? And it's like, maybe, maybe we're seeking truth, but at some point, for comfort, we don't mind being lied to a little bit, or, or believe in magic a little bit. Or, you know, you're a little kid, and you, you, you want to believe in that tooth fairy and 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 up to a point that's that's fine but i i think that the i think we should be seeking what is real and and i guess when when jane was introducing the film and said that that we came with the pitch at the time that trump was first you know in the race here's a guy who and, and he's a really good example. It's not a matter of you overusing him. Where he flips it. And, and fake news, is the truth is called fake news. And, and he keeps flipping things so that we don't... And we're disoriented and we're, it's chaotic and we don't know. We're, we're confused. But we have to stop doing that. We, so if someone like Mueller represents some kind of a truth, yeah, we should go for that. Or I mean, I'm, I'm talking very specifically about that event. But uh, yeah, throughout history... Throughout history, we can look at all these things and find out what was true and what what was not. And and it's
1: not, it doesn't seem like it would be that difficult. I we have time for one last quick question. Um, I think this, this is an interesting conversation. And I,
0: as I started thinking about the definition right after the film, I started thinking, well, it's very hard to get at the definition, but I think you've touched on it, which is more the, what the film should help us do is to think about the actions that we're taking and why we're taking those on what information we're taking those actions, and are we comfortable that that it's the right that it's suitable information to make the decision on I mean that's part of what it gets to because you're raising I mean sometimes it's good information sometimes it's vaccination, sometimes it's something else and so rather than getting caught up in trying to define what it is it's more to be conscious of it and and if we're making a decision based on what we've seen to think through is is this uh, the right information that I should be using for the decision that I'm making? Mm-hmm.
2: I, I like when David Walmsley at the Globe and Mail says that we all have opinions, but facts are not negotiable. They're non-negotiable. The f- a fact is something real. And that's what we have to seek. We have to seek out what are facts. You know, it's funny. I, I tried so hard to make this film about through the prism of art, but you end up talking about other issues and, and bigger things. I also decided at one point to, to refer, think of journalism as an art, and I, I, I think
1: you would agree. Well, thank you, yes. <laughs> well, I think that's all the time we have. Thank you so much, Larry and Craig, for being here tonight, and uh, I want to thank everyone here as well. Thank you. And just before you all... Just before you all leave, a uh, big thanks to Matthew Amer, and Mac and Mark Ford, uh, who do the technical stuff, uh, recording this uh, for our podcast, and the Hot Docs team as well. Uh, Propaganda it will be broadcast on TVO in the fall. You can subscribe to the On Docs podcast, and this interview will be featured uh, in the fall as well. And you can stream all our documentaries on t- online at TVO.org. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you. And that's the podcast. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and better yet, tell a friend. Word of mouth is really the best kind of propaganda, if you know what I mean. Now, if you want to get in touch, write us at TVO.org or follow me on Twitter at colinellis81. Thanks to producers Chantal Bergenza and Matthew O'Meara, production support coordinators Nikki Ashworth and Jonathan Halliwell. Our podcast manager is Hannah Sung. Big thanks to Hot Docs for hosting us and to our philanthropy team here at TVO including Sandra Belisario, Katherine Liedemann, and Nadine Singh. And also to the rest of the crew who we'll helped make the night possible, including Jane Jankovic and Mark Ford. We'll catch you at the next screening.